birth of Jesus announces the arrival of peace, and the death of Jesus creates peace with God. And when the angels proclaim peace on earth, the shepherds heard what our hearts long to hear, that God is indeed restoring all of it to his original and glorious purposes. So may we experience that kind of peace. It's an invitation for every person, and it's here now because Jesus is here now. This is peace. Welcome to Christmas. Let's pray, guys. God, our, our worship, it just isn't enough to express our gratitude for what you have done for us. But, but that's all we have. And so we give it to you this morning. God, help us to always remember that first Christmas day so that we may share in the song of the angels, the, the gladness of the shepherds, and the worship of the wise men. We realize that while Christ comes to us every single day in, in many ways, we still have a tendency to kind of keep him to ourselves. So God, just give us the strength to shout it from a mountaintop that a Savior has not only come but is with us right now. I pray that you would encounter every man, woman, and child in this room so that our lives would be changed today as a result of your presence. Close the door of hate and open the door of love all over the world this morning. Let kindness come with every gift and good desires with every greeting. Deliver us from fear and anxiety and let us experience peace through the blessing which Christ brings. This time of year reminds us that that we are blessed to be your children. We are loved, we are called, and we are forgiven. And for that, we give you thanks. And God, right now, just hear this body of believers. You already know our hearts, and so God, just hear our, our prayer now, which is the same as the one that Jesus taught his disciples when he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, good morning again, everybody. It's good to see you in church this morning. I'm Stephen Dickinson, the lead pastor around here. I hope that you have been able to uh, have a, a good week so far. I uh, pray that this next week you have a wonderful week as well, and maybe in the midst of, of all of that, you've been able to kind of carve out some time, quality time to spend with your family and your friends and remember what this season is all about. It's, it's a busy season. It's a crazy season. Um, sometimes we kind of get caught up in the frantic pace of it all, and um, it, it seems like we've kind of been caught up in a frantic pace around here for about 18 months now. Um, and, you know, 2022 was, it was challenging for a lot of us for many reasons. And 2023, while it has been exciting, it's had its share of challenges as well. So this is our first Christmas as a church. And it's been, uh, it's been fun. Um, but if I'm, if I'm being honest, I'm a little anxious about the toll that the last 18 months has had on our endurance, our attitude, our patience, our faith. Uh, I pray we haven't gotten distracted from the main thing. And the main thing is keeping our eyes on Christ. Um, that can be hard to do sometimes. 
Uh, there are so many opportunities that our spiritual enemy is trying to, to use to distract us. Uh, even during this Christmas season, when it should be easy, really, oftentimes it's hard, maybe even harder to remain focused on, on God and God's kingdom. Uh, we're so steeped in, in cultural Christmas that sometimes the lines get a little blurry. Uh, there, there are these subversive expectations that we, we can't help but drink in this time of the year. I mean, we, we've been in it our whole lives. You know, this, this is the time of year that, that Buddy is going to be reconciled back to his father who abandoned him when he was an infant, right? And Ralphie, it doesn't matter that he's actually going to shoot his eye. Uh, he's going to get a Red Rider BB gun. The Grinch, his heart is going to grow three times its normal size this time of the year. And Clark is finally going to get that year-end bonus and get the swimming pool in. This is what you and I are steeped in. This is the Christmas message that the world is receiving this time of the year. Um, the, these, the reason these movies and the, these shows are so popular, the reason we like them so much is because they touch on, on a biblical theme without even, even knowing it. Uh, without even mentioning Jesus. These, mo these movies, they're, they're pulling at what Ecclesiastes 11 calls uh, e eternity in the heart. In, in all of these, these movies, all of these shows, they reach a point where reconciliation is going to happen. That forgiveness is possible. That, that loneliness is finally going to be driven out of our life. Or these relationships that we are so special to us, they're finally going to be repaired. And we see that and we go, yes. That's what I want. You know, it is possible. And maybe this is the year that I get what I have been longing for for so long. And the reason the storyline works, the reason this message is so powerful is because we are living in a house that is built by the kingdom of God. The reason why these things now, during this period of time really captivate the secular and the atheist and the believer and the Buddhist and the Muslim. I mean, you name it. The reason we are all drawn in is because it is, it is touching this part of us that is so hopeful. But the problem is the promises of the kingdom, that's what we're wanting, right? It's what we're hoping for. The promises of the kingdom um, without the king will always leave us frustrated and empty and, and disillusioned. You know, once the holiday season is over, once the presents have been opened, uh, once the parties have run their course and the family get-together really didn't turn out the way that you thought it was, we realize that our hope has failed us. And we talked about hope a couple of weeks ago, but just as a reminder, the hope that we have should be in Christ, but we're hoping for peace. Really, that's... That's what we're hoping for, is peace. We, we want peace in our hearts. We want peace in our minds. We want it in our families. We want peace in our relationships. Uh, we want peace between races and nations and political parties, and the list goes on and on. I mean, we want peace. But in the same way that you and I can't have the benefits of the kingdom without the king, you can't have peace without the peacemaker. And we're reminded every single day through our phones and our 
television screens and news screens and our, uh, the news outlets and uh, just our encounters out there in the world that that sometimes you know corporations are corrupt sometimes governments are misguided sometimes people aren't who they say they are i mean our spiritual enemy is always looking for something to get us down or to break our spirit or make us to want to give up or to quit and so this morning i just want to speak to you for a minute about peace and more specifically i want to talk about how the coming of Christ has given us an opportunity, regardless of our circumstances, to let peace be established in our hearts. And I say an opportunity to let peace be established in our hearts uh, because we're in control of that. If we don't want peace, we don't have to have peace. And I would argue that um, you're not going to have any peace if you don't have a proper understanding of what Christmas is all about. Peace isn't a theory to be proven. It's not a, an emotion to be experienced. I'm, I'm talking about a, a willing decision to submit to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who reigns and who rules and can be trusted with that kind of power and then letting our peace be rooted in that place. So let me read a scripture out of the book of Colossians that I think exemplifies the Christmas story. One of the things I like to do on Christmas Eve is to, to, to use a, a, a different New Testament scripture. Besides the birth narrative, I, I'm, I'm just assuming we all kind of know the Christmas story and the birth narrative, um, but I like to use a different one because it always adds context to the birth narrative. Uh, this is, Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul about 60 years after the birth of Jesus about 30 years after the resurrection and so Paul is able to kind of look back at everything that has happened everything that has transpired and he goes you know what I get it he didn't always get it by the way but now he's going listen I, I, I get it this is all prophecy that is being fulfilled and so here's what Paul writes in Colossians 1 verses 19 and 20 he says for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus. So God was pleased to have all of God's self, all of his fullness dwell in the person of Jesus. That, that's Emmanuel, right? God becoming human. It's the birth of Jesus. That's the Christmas story in a single sentence right there. He goes on. And through Jesus to reconcile to God's self all things, whether things on earth things in heaven by making peace by making peace through his blood which was shed on the cross so in this uh, sermon series that we've been in we've been talking about how God is on a mission and that that mission is to reconcile broken humanity back to himself he wants the relationship to be restored and the way God did that was by sending his son Jesus to die on a cross thereby taking on the sins of the world and covering those who believe in him and in that with his own righteousness. And then the resurrection of Jesus really broke the power of, of sin and the death that always follows it so that you and I could be free from the bondage of sin and now we can just, we can just live for God in freedom. And, and while that is some great news, that's not the end of the story. Even though Jesus has come and, and he has gone back, he ascended, 
He's coming back. And, and when he does, everything's going to be recreated. It's going to be made new again. And, and knowledge and belief in that should transform the way we live right now. Here's a quote from uh, Pastor Glenn Packian, who says what I just said, but he says it better, so I thought I'd repackage it in his words. He says, listen, we stand between two proclamations. God has come, and come, Lord Jesus. The first grounds our confidence that the second will be answered. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus shape our hope in the return, the reign, and the renewal to come. So that's where you and I live right there. We, we live between these two proclamations. God has come. We believe that. We're Christians. We believe that, that God's son, the second person of the Trinity, put on flesh and dwelt among us. And now because of that and, and because of his death and resurrection and ascension, we are now looking to the future with confidence, believing That God will come again, but this time he's not going to come as a baby in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. He's going to be coming with a heavenly host of angels, with a loud blast of the trumpet to gather his people called the church. He is coming as he is right now. He is coming as king. That's the space where we are. And to the extent that we believe it, there will be peace. In your life. Let me rephrase that. Where we choose to believe it, there will be peace in your life. Way too many people are hoping for some some good vibes and some some positive emotions or some intense feelings to, to experience any peace in their life. That's not peace. At least it's not the kind of peace that Jesus offers. It's not the kind of peace that the prophet Isaiah wrote about that Jamie said a minute ago. Let me repeat it. Chapter 9, verse 6, Isaiah, 700 years earlier than the birth. He says, for, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah is speaking of both advents in that sentence. First, Jesus came as an infant. Second, he's going to be coming as the Son of God, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And for all of those who believe in him, he will be the source of peace. And out of all of the descriptive names for Jesus, this is perhaps the most underrated and ignored, but quite possibly the most important prophets, the angels, the scribes, they were all predicting that a Messiah was coming. What we know now that they didn't at the time, that this Messiah would be Jesus the Christ. And so we are, we are living in a very unique and privileged time in history. I mean, because the things that Isaiah was telling the nation of Israel is coming, we see clearly. It's not a hope for us. We know Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, and he's now sitting on his throne. And so if you have found peace hard to come by, and I know that's not all of us, but man, it's a lot of us. Where you have these sleepless nights, and you worry a lot, and you've got anxiety, and we have fear about the future, it ought not be so. 
We, we should root ourselves in the rule and the reign of King Jesus. That's where peace comes from. It's not found in our circumstances or when things are going great in life. It is in the belief that Jesus is on the throne no matter what's going on in your life. He's already won the battle. It's over. He reigns. But you may be thinking, man, if there is victory in Jesus, why does it feel like I'm losing the battle? It could be because you may be holding on to something. You're not letting go. You're holding back. Maybe you haven't fully surrendered to the king. We can't achieve peace by just being nice people and trying to get along with everybody. That's a great goal, but it ain't Christianity. Christianity began with our Jewish roots all the way back in the book of Genesis with the call of Abraham. The scripture records the acts of God as he seeks to reunite rebellious humanity with himself. Peace between us and God is the goal. And when we experience reconciliation with God through Jesus, we are experiencing the kingdom of God on earth. The kingdom of God is what Jesus came into the world to announce. It's what he's ushering in. The kingdom is coming, not because of our actions or anything that we do. It's coming because God is bringing it, whether we like it or not. And every single person is called to get in line with what is already breaking into human history and will come to fruition in that final advent when Jesus comes back. And so any peace that you and I may be experiencing in life, that is directly tied to what we believe about the kingdom of God. And listen, I, I realize that I'm not, I'm probably not telling you anything you don't already know. You're not like, what? Jesus is ruling and reigning? Where has this information been all my life? I, I get that. You knew that. But sometimes we just need reminding of that. Like when you give yourself over to those negative thoughts, those terrible thoughts, you know, and you just worry, you know, what's going to happen if this happens? And how is this going to play out? And what would happen if, if they do this? Or what's, what's work going to do? Or what if work does this? How am I going to play? How is that going to benefit me? You know, instead of all of that, we, we just go, you know what? Christ is on the throne. And I just want to live responsibly. And I want to work hard. And I want to trust King Jesus. There's peace there. But you know what I've discovered? Um, a, a lot of our worry and a lot of our anxiety and restlessness is somehow just tied to our wanting the kingdom without the king. We all want the benefits of a life in Christ, but sometimes we don't want to actually surrender everything to his lordship. We want peace. You know, we want to feel rooted in God. We want to feel safe and secure. But sometimes we, we try to have all of that in our own power without Jesus. And I just wonder how much of our anxiety is tied to refusing to believe that he's the one on the throne and, and not us. And so peace, I mean real peace, peace that flows out of living in the kingdom, it begins with faith in Christ. And here's how the Bible says that. Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, 
all right? So you've been set free. You've been redeemed. You've been reconciled, justified through your faith. Not through anything you've done, not your behavior. Your behavior didn't get you born into a broken world. Your behavior's not going to get you out of it. King Jesus is. You've been justified through your faith. And because of that, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace which we now stand. The first step to peace with God has nothing to do with your behavior. The first step to peace with God is being reborn into a kind of a new reality, a new type of existence. And this peace that Jesus offers us, it is the end of hostility between you and God. It's the end of the death penalty because of sin. It's the end of our alienation. True peace is reconciliation with God. It's his welcome into the kingdom. It's his adoption of us as sons and daughters. It's the incredible rescue through the cross of the living son of God. And so this Christmas, listen, try, try not to think of Jesus as a little baby in a manger, but rather imagine him as a king sitting on a throne. A king who will soon put an end to the greatest war that ever was. He's our ultimate mediator, our perfect sacrifice, our eternal hope. He is our everlasting peace. The wise men or, or the, the magi, We'll talk about them in a week or two during the season of Epiphany, but they were all people of importance, people of great wealth, maybe even kings themselves. But when they visited Jesus, they bowed down before him because they recognized greatness. In an infant, they knew what was coming. One day we'll have an opportunity ourselves to bow down before him. In fact, I don't think we'll really have a choice because when we stand in his presence, our knees are going to buckle and we're going to fall flat on our face in worship. But the beautiful thing is, we don't have to wait to do that. You can spiritually surrender to his righteousness and his holiness and his greatness and his lordship today, right now. The good news this Christmas and really every day this year is that the baby that was born in a manger grew up to be the savior of the world, and he is waiting for more of you. The benefit of surrendering to King Jesus is you don't have to be in charge anymore. Only Jesus offers you that gift that you can't find anywhere else. It is the gift of peace that surpasses all understanding. And he offers it to you because he has the power to offer it to you. Because he reigns and he rules. And so we lift our eyes to that this Christmas season. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for peace. We are grateful for the work on the cross. And we really don't have the words to express how grateful we are for everything that you've done for us. And so you just, you humbled yourself to the point of being born in a manger and then crucified as a criminal. I mean, that, that says just how far you're willing to go to save us. And so our prayer is that, that you would look 
inside our hearts and that you would find the truest desire to please you with everything that we say and everything that we do. May our lives be a reflection of your love and a continual demonstration of worship. God, just fill our hearts with your peace and may that peace be a witness to the world that you are indeed our King. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.